Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I wish I'd have had it for the Kentucky Derby last week. Bet online as you covered for news, scores, and odds as well. It's the best way to place your bets, free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Welcome to another edition of the Kingdom of Pod, brought to you by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network. Jeff Case here in Flower Mound, Texas. Coming up, great conversation shortly with Carl Benson, the former commissioner, on college football playoff expansion. A lot of conversation about this. Will it or won't it be good for the group of five? And will it even include the group of five? And how will it do it? And what are the financial implications? Let's talk to a guy who really gets it. Also, the NFL draft wasn't high on the Mountain West. And what the last four years have taught us, and can they change it? And the shrink is on in Hawaii. How is it that 10,000 seats may be enough for the Warriors? And details on Leighton Vander Esch here in Dallas, where I am, and what the future holds for LVE as a Cowboy. Let's move on to Carl Benson, the conversation at the top of this pod and the former Boise State graduate, baseball player, if you didn't know it. He's also the former commissioner of the MAC, the WAC, and the Sunbelt Conference, now retired, living in Denver. And there's a lot of conversation and speculation about where the college football playoff is going with their future. They've put a working group together to examine expansion. They've admitted that they're looking at it. Good news for the Mountain West Conference and Boise State. Craig Thompson is on that committee. I think that's a great sign. We'll get to the details about that with this conversation with Carl. Carl, let's get right after this idea of expanding the college football playoff and our interests in the group of five, which we'll always hold uh, up to the light. Do you think in this expansion, the group of five, is he going to get a guaranteed spot as a group or Perhaps Oresco and his ideas of expanding the AAC would be more likely. What do you say? Well, I know that the American is still uh, that's that's still their goal is to is to get uh, you know to get into the the relationship association you know as the sixth guaranteed you know conference uh, and and I know that that he's working towards that. As far as the the other four, uh, we know that Craig Thompson is on the working group and and is representing the group of five, but you know really kind of representing you know the four. Uh, more than likely, you know, Mike is is trying to do some you know some work on his own, and rightfully so to to position the American. Um, but in in the overall, how do we treat the group of five going forward? Right now, in these early stages, Jeff, I, I don't think that that's that's necessarily a priority for the other the other five commissioners. I think that they they need to get consensus among themselves as to what the what the playoff model is going to be, and then once 
you know, once they can agree, then they'll they'll come back and, and try to figure out how to include the, the group of five, both access-wise, financially, um, and you know, I I know that there there will be opposition to a just a across the board guaranteed spot for the highest ranked group of five champion. Uh, that there will be those who who will who will require some type of performance standard and. You know, prior prior to the CFP, you know there were performance standards. Right. Starting with rank number six, then it went to number twelve. CFP comes and, and and for the first time, you know the group of five gets an automatic, so to speak, into the New Year's Day six. Not the New Year's Day six. So right. So the I top twelve still yeah. top top twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So right now you could say they have a position in a in a twelve team arrangement it's not a playoff uh, an arrangement and if it goes to eight which is where most of the speculation is is focusing you know will it even be considered and how do they put it into consideration is it purely the numbers from the networks that will tell them each in each team they add will add so much money well of course if you add one of those schools it's a romantic number because there's the NCAA March Madness, you know, little guy storyline that everybody loves, and that'd be great. You guys should do that. I mean, is it that type of thing, or is it something else? Well, first of all, I think that that as we've we've seen the evolution of BCS to CFP, the the group of five really did not did not uh, provide any additional value that that ESPN was was going to pay X regardless of whether the group of five you know had a you know had a, had a place in the in the structure or not you know has the value of the group of five increased over the last you know five years and and I think I think that the public perception says yes, but whether or not the television entities will, you know, will, you know, will notice it or or evaluate the group of five as a as a single entity and and that it's worth you know worth so much. But um, you know, it's a it's going to be historically the group of five has been brought along as a, as a way to keep the, the 10 FBS conferences under the same tent. And when it went from BCS to CFP, the group of five benefited greatly. The access, the guaranteed access was Mm -hmm. something they'd never had before. The money that was, was increased was, was significant. Uh, in terms of, and and that was that was not the networks that determined, you know, the ninety million dollars that that you see uh, reported that the group of five receives. ESPN not determine that number. That was a number that was negotiated by the the commissioners. Sure. Um, 
I represented the group of five during those negotiations. Slive negotiated on behalf of the group of five back in, you know, 2000, you know, 12, 13, leading up to 2014. You mean the power five? And the power five, excuse yeah. me, the power five. And, and we arrived at this 22%, 23% of whatever the ESPN number was, you know, was the 400 and, 75 million average over the the length of the duration and and so that that didn't have anything to do with with espn and going forward you know will will they uh will they factor in the the group of five in how they determine what an eight team playoff looks like i mean it could be jeff a matter of of ESPN saying, you know, if it's strictly eight at large, the, the eight best teams, sure. ESPN may say, we will give you X hundred million dollars. If it's five champions and three at large, it may not be as much as eight at large. And if it's five the five champions, along with a guaranteed spot for a group of five without any uh, any performance standard, you know that that may be less. You know, ESPN may offer less for that model than than the others. And and to be clear, Carl, the performance standard uh, has to do with rankings, right? And you have to be so Correct. high and. I don't think it has to do with your actual record. It just it comes to to a ranking, and we've had where you had to be top sixteen. And I don't want to go down all of those hoops that they asked uh, the group of five to jump through. But nonetheless, that's that was there. Now we have a, a a lot of impact here. And since you were on the negotiation side of getting the group of five cut in on uh, the older uh, deals before the CFP. How does the group of five slice of the pie, Carl, get potentially impacted if they go to eight teams and the money gets bigger? Uh, do they leave it at 22%? Uh, do they slide it down? <laughs> How does the conversation sound? I think in, in, in today's environment where you know, the 65 athletic directors of those five power five conferences are, are trying to uh, balance their, you know, their, their COVID uh, related impact into their budgets. Those athletic directors are going to want to get every dollar they can. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that it's safe to say that there will be some of those, those power five athletic directors who will, question how much does the group of five you know deserve to get and you know what what is that what is the value of you know of the group of five to the overall structure and the overall property the sports property mm -hmm. and and there are there's a lot of athletic directors in the group in the power five who weren't there back in 2012 when this when the the 14 playoff was created and 
the amount of money was carved out for the group of five. And, and I've heard that there are ADs today saying, how did, how did that ever, how did they arrive at that number? And why did they arrive at that number? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big, pretty big chunk, you know, mm-hmm. almost a hundred million dollars off the top is going to, well, it is when you count the, the APR money, it's, it's well sure. over a hundred million dollars that, that goes to the group of five today. Mm-hmm. And so they could look at that, especially in, you know, in another year, there'll be some financial recovery. It still won't be where it was. And, and, and so they're still going to have a money hungry attitude towards everything. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us have assumed all of this will happen. And a lot of the assumptions, Carl, to me, seem like they're based on if you do anything uh, to Eastern Michigan or Western Michigan or Ohio University or Miami of Ohio and cut them out, Mr. Ohio State or Mr. Michigan, the legislative people in those communities will scream. And it feels like that's the only voice they'll listen to in that room. Do you think that could drive uh, their decision-making to say, let's just keep the group of five where they are, give them a little bit of a bump, and be done with it? Yeah, I think there's there's always been some outside pressures. Um, and again, going back to you know, the, the mid, you know, the mid nineties, the mid and late nineties of, of BYU getting left out of, you know, of the, the postseason and, and Warren Hatch and Mitch McConnell representing, you know, the university of Louisville that had had a, a great season and got left out. And, and there was saber rattling, you know, within, uh, Senate, um, and, you know, in, in, in Capitol Hill, to you know, to make it a fairer system. Um, so I think that there's still, you know, there will, there will still be pressure. There will still be political pressure to have an inclusive structure. And, and it, will it be enough to overcome the, perhaps the, the desire by the power five to, to not be as generous as they were back in 2012, when the the, the 90 million dollars was was carved out, hmm. and, and I think that's a pretty serious. You know, those are some pretty serious conversations that that the commissioners are going to have to have. Is just what is the what is the role of the the five you know, non guaranteed conferences, and what? and again, it's probably why. The American is is so focused on we need to get we need to get out of out of the affiliation with our four other conferences and we need to be looked at uh, entirely on our own. Let me ask you this, uh, Carl. When we start talking about the X's and O's of the room, and they get a playoff model that they like and they're happy with it. What does a vote look like? And the reports that you brought up about playoff expansion somehow requiring a unanimous vote. How, how do you describe what that means in that room with those ten? Plus Notre Dame. Yeah, you know there's there's always a, a a need to be you know collegial you know inside inside those rooms, um, and whether it's the commissioners, whether it's the presidents that that when the 
when the playoff went from when the BCS, the two team playoff went to the CFP and the four team, um, you know, there was opposition and, and it took well over a year of, of meetings and discussions and um, trying to, to get the five power five conferences all to agree on, on what the model needed to be. And, and even at that time, you know, it, it, the, the, the conversation had, you know, four teams, eight teams, 12 teams, the same conversation that they're having today in terms of the size of the, of the playoff. And there were those who, who wanted to go to eight back then. And there were those who wanted to stay at two back then. And so was there a compromise? Was four a compromise? Um, you know, I, I think that there was compromise. And, and at that time, did they all finally say, okay, you know, we, will, we will go down this path together and, uh, and accept this four-team four playoff? You know, we were in the room, the, the, the five, the group of five was in the room. And, you know, were we, you know, we were pretty much bystanders in terms of watching and listening, knowing that, that, you know, what, what those five other commissioners, uh, the direction they wanted to go, you know, we weren't going to, to oppose anything that, that they, that they came up with. Uh, assuming that they were going to, you know, include us. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's probably the same uh, environment that it's going to happen. I, I mean, I was glad to see, you know, that, that there's a commissioner from the, the group of five, Craig, um, you know, that's part of the working group. Mm -hmm. And that's a good sign, you know, that, that there will be, yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's an include that if, if he hadn't, if there hadn't been one on it, um, I think that that would have sent a message. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think it, but again, it's, uh, when it comes down to the brass tacks of, you know, will the, will the group of five conferences be able to maintain their existing access and their existing financial payments that, that are there going forward kind of at the same kind of the same level that they are today. So let, let's talk about this eight team playoff if it were to occur. And do we really think that we're going to have a uh, one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, et cetera, et cetera format? We're going to have four games here and seed them and every year have the Titans of college football playing the, the, the college football playoff group of five darling more than likely every single year in a play-in game almost that I think they would be thinking that through and and then where uh, would these games be played you know could they afford could they go with a another couple of bowl games and throw them in uh, Carl or some are discussing the idea they're going to go to campus bowls so how do you decipher that? To me, that's where a lot of work needs to be done. Well, the the one versus eight, and and a, and if you, if the assumption is that 
the group of five is always going to be that number eight seed, you know, then you're absolutely right that that it's Alabama versus you know versus Boise State or Alabama versus Cincinnati or Alabama versus Coastal Carolina. Sure, a lot and, to lose for everybody. Yeah, and is that a is that a game that that ESPN you know wants to you know wants to have on that whatever Saturday and mm-hmm. Friday or Saturday that there's there's poor game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do believe that that uh, and this goes back. You know, I recall a conversation with a an ABC executive back in in the mid '90s after the BYU uh, exclusion um, and the appetite that ESPN ABC had at that time for for a playoff. And I remember him telling me, you know, four to one was was what he is how he described, you know, four games, two games, one game. Mm-hmm. And and that's the eight team model that 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 had the the most value, the most television value at, at that time. That, that was you, the model that. Because you have six venues, uh, four to one, you have six venues, Orange Sugar, Rose, Fiesta, Cotton, Peach, and then a separate venue for the national championship game, which could be at one of those places or somewhere else. So you're yeah, sort of and, utilizing and even, the system. Yeah, they. He, he wasn't even looking at it from uh, from a venue standpoint, or or a. It was strictly the games. Okay. If you had the eight best college football teams, mm-hmm. and and it was one versus eight, two, seven, you know, three, six, four, five, um, that those four games would have you know tremendous uh, value, and the you know which would. Re- you know, create two semifinal games and and the championship. Uh, ESPN, I'm sure, you know, I mean, they they're they're going to run the numbers and and I think that the the question that you just raised about the number one team playing you know a group of five every year and right in in one of those quarterfinal games mm-hmm. probably is is something that. You know, that they they aren't going to embrace entirely. I don't. I think that's a problem. If you ask me, so, I think the executives yeah. could look at it. Certainly, the Power Five guys will say, "Well, that's a recipe for disaster." On, on some years, other fans, <laughs> I don't know that they're always considered at the top of this conversation. But um, I think that is certainly a, a, an a, a, an instance. What about the bowl system, though, Carl? Because the group of fives kind of in their own world, bowl game wise, and when. When the group of five gets a power five opponent that's a decent one, it's a great opportunity, and it feels like if it isn't the right group of five opponent, it's a tougher sell. And here we have the expansion potentially from four to eight. So another four teams, Carl, involved in the college football playoff. Uh, that could hurt uh, a couple of bowls. You know, and, and that, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the, you know, the comments by Greg Sankey here in the last – day or so about again the the importance of maintaining the bowl system or at least the bowls that are important to the to the sec and again if if there is an 18 playoff you know how you know how are the bowls 
incorporated you know, in that. Um, you know, I, I hear the fear that that meaningless meaningless bowl games outside of of the the four quarterfinal games that that those bowl games become you know less meaningful than they are even today and and what is that going to do from a marketplace standpoint and uh, you know the opt-outs and the the players that aren't going to be playing and you know what what will the what will the bowl system look like five years from now if there is a an 18 playoff I, I don't know how we predict that I really don't know how how to predict whether the the bowl system is strong enough to to survive as it is today and, and we've seen we've seen some some uh, you know, fan interest and just overall local interest decline. Uh, some people would say that that the CFP has already, you know, created less meaningful bowl games. Any threat with the expansion of the playoff structure, Carl, to have these players ultimately get together and suggest that Okay, then we need to play one less regular season game here. You know, we're, you're asking us to play, uh, I don't know, what, 16 games by then if they have a conference championship game on top of if the national championship, right, uh, would, would require three, a three-game set to, to win. And if they uh, start looking at that, then the group of five could ultimately lose one of those non-conference paydays with a power five, couldn't they? Well, again, the 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 impact on either the the regular season in general, but but to be specific as to whether players are going to you know to pull back and and demand one one less regular season game. When you really evaluate the number of teams out of 130 that would be playing 16 games, is only you know, is only two, you know, the final or maybe might be four after, you know, the, once you get to the semifinals. So I, I, I think that, you know, unlike the NFL that, that you play 16, you know, they're adding, adding, adding an additional regular season game where all 32 teams are playing, mm-hmm. you know, an additional game. This is really such a narrow, you know, narrow impact on, on the, the total the total number of games, so I, I don't I don't think that that will be a a barrier. Um, uh, you know, again the, the 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 players and the the impact on you know NIL and and just that if if we create a a new bowl or a new playoff system that goes from the almost five hundred million dollars today to um, you know, uh, you know, a billion dollars. Hmm. What does that look like in terms of, of, you know, the commercialization of, you know, of, of college football and, and how that intersects with you know, where we are in today's, you know, student athlete, the uh, need for greater, greater compensation. We're going to get there. 
Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that conversation. Thanks for going down the college football playoff speculation game. It's going to heat up here, I think, with this working group. So appreciate it, Carl. But I, but I guess the one thing that I would warn the fans, it's not going to happen, you know, in in two months or six months. And it's going to it's going to take a, you know a year of of uh, massaging and and getting everybody to a point where they can all put their hand in the air and say this this will work for and again those five conferences the power five conferences are the ones that are going to determine what the playoff structure looks like and the other five hopefully will be able to be be uh, included you know, in whatever structure that is. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, Jeff. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. And I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, sometimes you get the cheaper sunglasses and the tips of them, when you store them, will start scratching the lens if the lens isn't strong enough. And then it's hard to see out of them. Well, this doesn't happen with Canon. Uh, they're made with Japanese optics. It makes their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger. They have Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use this exclusive code, CanonCast15 at Canon.com, to get 15% off your first pair. That's, and I'll spell it, K-A-E-N-O-N. Cast 15. Canaan, clearly better. Let's get into some of the news and notes uh, through the week that had an impact on uh, Boise State. I do appreciate Carl, though, outlining the college football playoff, the expansion possibilities. Let me just add that there are a lot of ramifications to the expansion uh, to perhaps this eight-team format. And uh, working in this bowl business, I see what some of those are. Uh, it's not as easy to just say add a few more bowl games into the mix. Those bowl games have sponsor commitments that require field signage and signage in the stadium and a lot of different issues you have to check in with and talk to those people, see how you can restructure some of that. I know that's all money and business stuff, but that's why that can take a while. The multi-year arrangements and contracts that are put together with sponsors, including television networks, are there for a purpose and they're there to make money. And when you start altering that, it's going to take some time to figure it out. And I think they're spending a good amount of that time right now on a lot of those logistics. And uh, I think they're going to end up with campus bowls uh, for the first round. I, I just don't think you can continue to ask people to go traveling around in person, chasing stuff. And I am certainly on board with Carl and really concerned that, they're going to put some performance standards on the group of five, and I think all the Power Five people are going to get a stomach full of a consistent diet of the first round of the college football playoff consisting of the number eight team against number one. And if they lose number one to a huge upset, sure, some people will find it charming, but not when uh, number eight gets hammered the next round because they're physically depleted. I remember that conversation vividly happening after Boise State's Fiesta Bowl win over Oklahoma and whether or not they wanted to play Florida that year. And Chris Peterson laughed. It was, it was you know, he, he knew they didn't have enough horses. And you could just watch that Fiesta Bowl game against Oklahoma where they lost 
um, a lot of their stamina in that overtime period on defense. And they just got worn down. And that's going to happen. Things have changed since then. Of course, that was quite a while ago. But let me, let me move on and into the idea about talent in the Mountain West Conference. And I'll talk more about Leighton Vander Esch, one of the better talented former Boise State football players uh, in, the, in the NFL in just a couple of minutes. But the NFL draft coming and going, and only three members of the Mountain West Conference getting drafted uh, should send off some alarms. It's been happening now at a clip of about nine or ten players the last four, three years, three or four years, have been drafted out of the Mountain West Conference. So for this dip to go to three, yeah, it's a one-off, but it lowers the overall average. It's going in the completely wrong direction, and you want to have occasional peaks, not valleys. So the implications and challenges moving forward uh, to me, if, if you think you had attendance issues in the last couple of years because of all the reasons that everybody likes to point out, this isn't going to help. And I look at some of the other conferences around the country, and I see the entire FCS had five selected. Conference USA, four. Sunbelt, three. And those, those things in general, don't spell a tremendous amount of interest at times in group of five football from much more casual, non-regionally engaged fans, people who don't ardently follow Central Florida or Boise State, uh, San Diego State. They're going to have a different attitude towards why would I watch this when I can watch that? One of my challenges watching WNBA basketball is just not having appreciation for the style they play and uh, the level of fan I am, I want to see the greatest athletes possible performing uh, at the highest skill and physical um, maximum that I can see. And, and so I don't watch WNBA. And I would watch some NBA before I would do that. And for the casual fan, which does make up a percentage of your audience that you need to capitalize on to continue to grow your sport is, is an issue. And if they don't find a way to get this done, and I don't know that they can do anything. I do admire some of the schools in the Mountain West Conference who've stepped up with facilities. Utah State stepped up. Colorado State uh, stepped up. San Diego State isn't mailing it in. And that brings me to the University of Hawaii. The shrink is on. And Aloha Stadium was deemed not fit to have people come to it anymore. And Hawaii had to pivot and do something different. While they figure out leveling it, and building a brand new stadium, which <laughs> if the politics on the island and the money on the island and having gone through this pandemic for a year and a half or so, I don't know how that's going to get done uh, in a fast enough time period. So Hawaii had to put something on their campus. They have a, a remodel that they're putting forth in this chin facility and they think they can get to 10,000 seats in enough time for the 2021 season. And ultimately, they're talking about going to 15,000 seats. I think they're going to stay there. I think Hawaii football is destined for this. And if they get this other stadium rebuilt at Aloha Stadium, if and when, I can see the University of Hawaii going back there when it makes sense for a non-conference a power five game, when they play USC, Alabama, you name the school, or a big Mountain West Conference game. 
Other than that, they don't need the seats. And I think it's more convenient and even somewhat more of a home field advantage if they can have 10 to 15,000 screaming Hawaiians at a game. I think that would be an interesting atmosphere. And that's maybe where they're headed. Is it good? Is it again, is this good for the Mountain West? Uh, probably not. Speaking of what's good or what's not, Leighton Vander Esch did not have his fifth year option picked up by the Dallas Cowboys uh, here in Texas. And so, what is his future? And having listened to the ticket in Dallas or the fan in Dallas, where they go in depth about these things, some of the uh, people that they've interviewed, uh, team executives, uh, former personnel guys, or uh, just Bob Sturm types, tremendous fans, really engaged, following it closely. Uh, they'll all point out that this may be the uh, beginning of a new era for Dallas uh, with Leighton Vander Esch, where they may not want to re-sign him at that financial number. They may want to lower it, add a bunch of incentives, as long as he gets through with a good season coming up, and then they would analyze doing something like that in the future. So it doesn't mean necessarily the end of Leighton uh, Vander Esch here in Dallas. Um, uh, but it's certainly a crossroads, and I don't think that it is unusual. If you look at NFL football players, their lifespan is short, and they move on quite a bit. And it's it's good for them. It's the way the league is structured. They don't take it personal. But the one thing about what Leighton has here that a lot of other players don't is he had great name recognition he was building his brand, as they like to say. <clears throat> Jerseys were flying off the shelves. Uh, he was developing all these different, you know, wolf calls and different merchandise. And not only could he have a successful off-the-field career while he was playing here in Dallas by even signing for a couple of million less, he could make that up in endorsements. I hope his agent, and I'm sure Ron Slavin's talking to him about this, if he does re-sign here at somewhat of a lower number, and the Cowboys will tell him this, you will never leave Texas. You will have a career and a financial income stream and cash coming through for people that want to see you, talk to you, identify with you, bring you to events, because it's part of their culture around here. And that is something for a young man to consider as he looks at maybe taking that extra $2 million payday to stay at $9 million and move off and, and, and go to Cleveland uh, or go to other NFL franchises where he'd be in the shadows. So I think that's something to really take into consideration for the long term of Leighton Vanderish. Hope you've enjoyed uh, this edition of the Kingdom of Pod, the Boise State Football Podcast on the Believe Network, brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, don't forget, rate, review it, pass it on, uh, subscribe to it, hit that subscribe button on your uh, downloading podcast, however you get that done, and I appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.